It's time for our weekly Book Nook segment with Quincy Public Library's Katie Kroshauer. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Fine. Staying warm? I am. And of course, today is supposed to be, you know, in the 40s or so, yeah. so I'm okay with that. Um, uh, yesterday, of course, uh, no school, Martin Luther King Day. Did uh, did we have some kids in the library yesterday? You know, I think we did have some. I was over in the children's library for a little while, and you know, with the train table out, and we've got some of the building block tables back out and stuff like that, and it's just so much fun to see the kids, first of all, getting to play with those things on their own but then when like a group of them comes in and it's kind of like this swarm of hornets that are all just playing around the table together that buzz and that energy is so exciting and it's great to see that um, that interaction and the kids really forming those friendships and bonds at the library well we're going to talk about some uh, some more books today and you've got uh, you've got a few for us uh, why don't you get us started all right well I am going to start with the adult book that I brought with me actually this one is called the pieces we keep by Christina McMorris and um, to, it, this is terrible to say, but it seems like so many of the books I've read in the last five to 10 years have kind of had this dual narrator um situation going on where one person is in you know kind of what we would think of as contemporary times and then the second half of the story is being told mostly during World War II frequently um, with authors because that's a time period that I think people are really starting to explore and dig down into beyond what we know from the official reports you know they're really starting to look at what what were the resistance movements in France or what were what was happening in England? What was happening in some of these other countries? You know, there have always been stories like the diary of a young girl by Anne Frank or the hiding place or, or some of those things. But this is really getting into the, you know, some of those fictionalized accounts of other people's stories. And so this one in particular, we have modern day Audra, who's a veterinarian living out in Oregon, Washington, and she has a seven-year-old son. Her husband died two years ago, two or three years ago, and her son starts having night terrors and freaks out when they are on an airplane to the point that they turn the plane around and they they take them off the plane. And then he starts saying things that don't make any sense that he should have no context for, speaking German phrases or mentioning names that aren't familiar to Audra. And so she she really starts to worry because he's doing these things. People start worrying because as she's holding him down and trying to keep him from hurting himself, he's getting bruised and they start suspecting her of abuse. There are just all of these different things that are going on. Meanwhile, on the you know, in alternating chapters, they are telling the story of um, Vivian, who is, you know, her father was an ambassador. They were in England during the during the 1930s and early 40s. And she actually falls in love with a German soldier. Um, when she's brought back to the United States, she's working as a switchboard operator. You know, she has all of these things going on. Her best friend, Luann, is there with her and they're having all of these experiences together. The German soldier seeks her out and she finds out he's a spy. So she kind of has to balance like, where does her loyalty lie? Is she going to, you know, work with him as a spy or, you know, try to get him out of that situation? Or is she going to be loyal to um, to her friends and to her nation. And so you kind of have these interacting stories that you don't know what the tie is until you get about two thirds of the way through the book. When as Audra is trying to help her son, she's taking him to a psychiatrist and a psychologist, um, reading up on these night terrors. She starts investigating some of the words and, and phrases that he's using. And it's kind of narrowed down. She thinks possibly that there is something, um, not really reincarnation, but that there is an energy that he has 
has found or, you know, that he maybe is a reincarnated person from World War II. He says a name um, that she researches and, and gets a genealogist and librarian, hooray, um, to help her, <laughs> to help her research. Um, she also has met a, an army veteran who was wounded in Afghanistan. And, you know, he's having trouble bringing his memory back. He doesn't remember what happened at that time. So, you know, so there are all kind of these very tense things that are going on. And eventually in the end, um, you do find out that um, the son, I can't remember his name right now. I feel really bad. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> but um, her son is kind of having these memories of something that did happen. And they have to get to the bottom of the story and figure out why Vivian and Luann's story is connected with Audra's story. Um, and I have, to, I have to give major props to whoever designed this book because... Unfortunately, in many cases where this is the case where you've got two different timelines and narrations going on, they just use the same font throughout the entire book and frequently don't give you chapter headers or any indication of who's speaking and what time period you're in. This one, they actually changed the font every time the narrator changed, which was amazing. It's always very helpful. <laughs> it was so helpful to be able to say, okay, now I know which time period I'm in and, and where I'm supposed to be, who's speaking. Um, but Anyway, if this is the type of book that you enjoy, if you like historical fiction or you're interested in World War II, or you're interested in finding out how Audrey uses kind of that reincarnation story, um, the past lives story of children, children having remembered lives of things that they really should have no context for, um, we are going to be discussing this at our All Over the Page meeting. Um, at 7 o'clock, we're going to be at Native Grill and Wings tonight. So, um, you know, we would love to see anybody who's interested. Or if you don't make it to the meeting, come in, ask about the book. We will let you know what um, what resources there are and maybe even help you find some of the things that are listed. The author does give a great bibliography in the back of the book. And, uh, you know, while uh, we're on a bit of a, a history kick here, you want to talk a little bit about the contents uh, a, 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 a condensation of the uh, uh of the 619 project now of course the 619 project is has also been a little controversial too yes yes this is a project that was originally put together by nicole hannah jones and renee watson for the new york times magazine and the 1619 project talked uh, originally um the the original one talked about the experiences of people who were enslaved in africa and brought to the united states in 1619 um, and really delving into a lot of the history and things like that. This is an adaptation, a condensation of that information that can be used to help teach younger kids. It is a picture book. It is told in poetry form, but it does talk about the ships uh, um, full of enslaved people and the horrific things that were done to them, but in a way that is easier for children to grasp. Um, I will say I was very impressed with the tone of the book. Um, it was not blaming or trying to enhance guilt on anyone in the current time. Of course, lots and lots of blame and guilt on all of the people 300, oh, yeah. 400 years ago. You know, <laughs> lots of blame and guilt there. Um, but the overall tone of the book is actually very hopeful which I find refreshing. Um, so it is It is framed as a story of a girl who has been assigned to show what her ancestors' countries were, what the flags were, what their customs were. And she comes home and she's very upset because she doesn't know. She only knows back through the generations of her family that have lived in the United States. And before that, it's just a blank slate. So 
her grandmother gathers the family together and she starts telling them this story of the people that came over on the boats who had been enslaved, they'd been captured, but that previous to that, they had had a language, they had a family, they had culture and language and all of those things. But after they had been captured and enslaved on the boat, they became the people who were born in the water because all of the disparate people who had been captured and put on the boats and enslaved realized they had to to really bind together and become their own people, even though they had been from different nations and different tribes in Africa. And so once they had kind of been born on the water, they came to the United States, or at that point, you know, colonial Jamestown, colonial Virginia, Mm -hmm. um, and started building life together there that allowed them to move forward and become the people that they are today. So, you know, there, there are some fairly upsetting images but there are also a lot of images that have great warmth and great family feel you know that they had dances they had culture they had society and as they moved through the awful times that they have had since then they developed their own new meanings for home and family and together and their new cultures and their new um just abilities to fight through the struggles that they've had. And at the end, um, and I really do love this, the little girl comes back to school and she draws an American flag because that is where her people come from, which I think is great. There's some wonderful authors and illustrators notes just talking about why they wanted to do this in a way that's appropriate for children. If anyone has questions, um, you know, we can get copies of the original 1619 Project book by Nicole Hannah-Jones and Renee, um, Renee Watson, or you can check out this one and talk about it with your kids because I think it's really important that they have kind of this entry point into why some of the tensions and the racial difficulties that we've had for now decades um, are in place and why it's important to recognize that and try to find a way to move forward. And finally, uh, we've got another. We have a, so we went we went from a history book to a children's book with some historic perspective, historical perspective, and now another children's book in potato pants. But yeah, this is a total one eighty. <laughs> I did not do this on purpose. I swear. <laughs> um, this one is our monarch nominee for the week. This is Potato Pants by Lori Keller. And again, the the Monarch Awards are something done by the state of Illinois for elementary school children to vote on these nominated books, vote for their favorites, and it may become an award winner if that's something that they if that's something that they get involved with. So you can pick up your ballots at the library starting in February, but we have all of those books now out and available for you to check out. Um, I gave you the list of the award the nominees for each of the awards, the Blue Stem, the Monarch, and the Rebecca Cottle. As long as a child reads at least four of these, they are eligible to vote on the awards, which I think is great. I think it's really fun. Potato Pants by Lori Keller. This is hysterically funny. Um, High energy, very bright colors, um, but it is a picture book. Also does have a message, though. So Potato is very, very excited. His favorite store, the pants store, is having a sale on Potato Pants, and he desperately wants to go in and get some of these really new, fancy, awesomely designed Potato Pants. Um, he gets there. He gets to the store. It's just packed. Everybody's going crazy. It's like Black Friday. Um, and he wants to go in and buy them, but then he sees that eggplant is there, too. 
and unfortunately eggplant 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 knocked him down the the day before and did not apologize to him and he's Come so on, upset. Eggplant. I know, I know. Poor potato. He doesn't know what to do. Did he then call Mr. Potato Head to come and kick eggplant's butt? He did not because that? that's not Dang. a good way of coping with oh. these difficulties that's that we right. have. Okay, yes, kind of gentler. <sighs> yes, work out our you know, feelings. I hear you. But sure. then there's only one pair of potato pants left on the rack. And what is potato mm. going to do? Because he desperately wants these pants. He just wants to get in there and do it. And he realizes that, you know, he can he can go in and he can talk to eggplant and he apologize you know eggplant apologizes to him and says that he's very sorry for what happened the day before and they end up becoming friends and there is one pair of potato pants left and you know so it's resolved i won't tell you the ending but it's resolved well i don't want to spoil it for you um but it actually is really fun because at the end of the book they show you the entire potato pants collection all of the designs that you can pick out throughout the book um but just a good way of teaching kids some coping mechanisms some ways to get past something if they're scared or to make sure that they are talking through problems and situations instead of letting their emotions get the best of them i think potato won anyway because he can go to eggplant and say at least i'm not a dirty emoji pal that's right i'm saying that's that's right. You know, everybody loves potatoes. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, so the Monarch Awards, you can vote for those next month. And again, a kid just has to read uh, four of them to vote. And yes. then we also have the uh, Rebecca Caudle Awards. What what are those for? So the Rebecca Caudle Awards are for those older elementary kids up through about eighth grade. Um, and those are chapter books. Design, uh, same, same kind of rules. Sure. Um, the Rebecca Caudle are the chapter books. The Monarch are the youngest picture books. And then the Blue Stems are kind of that intermediary. There's kind of a mix of you know higher level chapter books or lower or higher level picture books lower level chapter books um, so that those kids that are in the middle grades really get a chance to get involved as well you know they may not quite be ready for that but you know again some great choices I'm going to try to be highlighting some of these through the month of February just so that people have a chance to hear about them learn more about the awards and really take an opportunity to work with their kids to um, to get through some of these books. Um, This is a great program. Usually it is run through the schools and we are cooperating with the schools at this point to make sure that um, the library and is is available for the kids to vote on. Um, you know, if at some point the public schools get a chance to Im- implement this program, then they'll be the ballot location for that, and the kids will get to, to do this through the school. But for right now, it is through the library. So moms and dads, take your kid to the library, get them off the game for an hour or so, or an hour or two. Say, hey, you're going to the library for a little while. Just read. Give me your phone. Give me your pad. <laughs> go read. And don't get on the computers in there either. Just read. You know, and it, it really is about helping them find the books that they're interested which I think is part of the fun with the Monarch Awards, you know, and the Caudill Awards and all of those, because there are still messages to the books. These are still really great, phenomenal reads, um, but there's a, a deeper message there as well. So give your kids that chance to read and explore those books when they come to the library. All right, Katie, thanks a lot. Thank you so much.